today uh, we are, are talking about uh, directing for dubbing. And I'm very, very pleased to have Claire Dordain from Waffler Inc. In, in, on this podcast for me today. Uh, she is a DOP and EP at Waffler. Um, she is a Television Academy member, a voice actress and a voice director. Welcome um, and thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Very, very excited to hear about um, your thoughts and, and share your experiences. But please go ahead if you can introduce yourself. Yes, sure. So hi, my name is Claire Dodin. And uh, so I was a voice actress for the longest time. I guess I still am. I still, uh, still voice act. And uh, as I was um, uh, doing a lot of dubbing, because I'm French. So in France, dubbing is a part of a way of life, I would say, forever. So um, I started working in dubbing like uh, a lot of actors and voice actors. And uh, as I kept uh, working, people started asking me, oh, would you be able to direct this session? I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, and little by little, I ended up doing a lot of directing. Um, and uh, so this is how I, I got into it. Um, and I mostly do animation, but I also do live action. Um, do a little bit of everything, really. Yeah, I think you've, you've told us a little bit about how you became a dubbing director. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for the audience, Let's mm -hmm. just talk about what is a dubbing director. Okay, so a dubbing director, I guess it can, for me, because I think it depends on the studios and where you work, but for me, the dubbing director uh, supervises the entire dubbing process. So um, looks at the... Um, looks at the adaptation, translation, uh, is in studio during the recording, but is also supervising the casting and, uh, and at the end looks at the mix and make sure that the mix is, uh, is great. Now that's my definition of the, of the voice director, but sometimes for some studios, the voice director just get into studio to direct the sessions and that's it. So, um, so it depends who you work with. But I personally like to supervise the entire process because at the end of the day, it's my name on the asset. And so I want to make sure that at the end, it reflects mm -hmm. the standards that I, uh, I want to put out in the world. Um, so so I, like to, I, I like to have a look at everything. <laughs> so you're, a, you're a typical creative control freak. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what, you know... To me, it's important. Like, for example, I like to do my own casting and I know there's a lot of voice directors that don't, uh, mm -hmm. but I like to do my own casting because I will be in the studio working with the voice actors. And so I like to choose the people that I feel will fit best for the part. And again, I'm a control freak, as you're saying, and I guess I have trust issues as well. So if somebody else does the casting for me, I, I worry, I have anxiety. Right? And if I do the casting myself, I know that I have the right person for the role and that I can work with that person in the studio um, so but that's a personal thing I know a lot of voice directors who don't like to do their own casting and they have casting directors and that's perfectly okay um, it's um, yeah it depends it depends on people depends on studios so so but I think you know I think that the description that you give is is my traditional understanding of what a dubbing director is and I think it is such a multifaceted role. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I think, you know, you, you talk about the casting and the fact that you like to be to, to um, do the casting yourself. Do you think, do, do you find that you're given a title 
um, and that when you've watched um, whatever it is, the first episode or the movie or a couple mm -hmm. of episodes, that you then get a creative sense in your mind and you can hear it in the language that, that, that you're dubbing it into. So you, 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 you have an, a, a feeling for what that, that character needs to sound like. Of course, but I, I do try, I have ideas, but I try to watch everything from the beginning to the end before I do the casting, because sometimes you have surprises. Uh, like, for example, a, a series that was casting recently, I discovered, I prejudged the episode before last, that one of the lead characters sings and sings really well. So if you start doing your casting without having watched all of the assets, you can find yourself with the wrong person for the role, basically, because suddenly it changes the casting completely if you have to have someone who can sing, you know, so. Um, yeah. Okay, wow, that, and I think that that is really important. You know, I think, as, so I, I run a, a dubbing studio, I own a dubbing studio in Johannesburg. And, you know, for me as, as the boss, I'm always behind my creatives. It's like, hurry, 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 we need to move this faster. But I think you make a really good point. You've got to be creatively in touch with the, 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 the piece of content or the program or the movie that you're dubbing. Um, so it is important to get a, a sense of the whole thing. But for the, uh, I mean, for the lead characters, obviously, I usually have a good idea of who would work before I get to the end. But also for the smaller characters, uh, I, I also produce. And so when I cast, I cast with my producing head on, which means yeah. that I, uh, in LA, we have a two hour minimum per actor for a minimum okay. fee. So I like to cast in order to uh, utilize that two hour session. I don't, I don't want to cast an actor who's going to be here for 30 minutes and another one who's going to be here for two hours and a half. Yes. That makes sense. So I, I make it so uh, the actors can have, um, particularly those who do several characters, so they can have little characters that don't talk to each other, that are in different episodes and that work so I can utilize that two hour session um, and avoid having like a little bit more than a two hour session because it adds an hour. Um, so, but that's me because I also do producing. I don't know if those who don't produce think that way, but um, I like to, uh, to try to, uh, uh, make it as efficient as possible in the casting. You 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 look at the business aspect and the budget aspect of the the project as well as being creative, and I think that that's so yes. important. I think I mean I, I know that when I'm producing, it's very important. So I'm assuming when I'm when I'm directing for someone else or I'm casting for someone else, that is important too, because it allows to perhaps have a little bit more hours with the lead characters to uh, develop the character so we can really get the best performance possible uh, if we save money on something else uh, which is like on those small characters if we utilize the full uh, full two hours of the of the actors i think um uh it's it's the best way to find a, a balance so we can have the best product possible at the end agreed agreed so tell me what a typical day in the life of a dubbing director looks like. So it depends at what stage of the uh, of the the show you're at or the or the movie. But if you're um, for, I don't think there's really there's not like there's no typical day if you're casting or because it just depends on what happens. Uh, the uh, I watch the show maybe probably three four times. Uh, sometimes more before I do the casting because what I do is that I, I go and listen to the episodes for the, the, the character voice and then I go and listen to all of my auditions and then 
uh, I go and listen to the characters that interact with uh, that person and I go and listen to the people I've picked for that and see if they match. Uh, because for example, the show that I'm doing right now, I have a lot of deep voices. Um, so most of the characters have deep voices, but some of them are the cousin of someone or the father or the grandfather and they need, at the end of the day, when I put them all together, they need to make sense in that uh, within the deep voices to have the one that sound the oldest being the grandfather, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, uh, so that takes actually a lot of time to do that, especially like on a show like I'm doing that have nearly a hundred characters. So it's, uh, it's very time consuming, but it's, uh, it's quite rewarding. Uh, I like, I really like doing the casting because once you, it's like, uh, it's like a recipe, like when, when you're making uh, a recipe and then you put the, all the ingredients together and when you have the perfect ingredients together, it's just magic. So, um, so I like doing that. <laughs> And, and I, I mean, I, I know that the audience is going to hear by your voice and, and we can see each other. I can just see how excited you get um, <laughs> just by describing what you do. And, and, and I think that that's such an important part of, of being good at your job. So it, it, yes. it, and it looks like you definitely have fun. I do. Absolutely. And I do I absolutely believe that, that in life we have to work in a job that we like and that excites yeah. us because we spend so much time at work that if we don't, our life is miserable, basically. So, exactly. <laughs> so it's important to find the thing that we love doing. That we love doing. So, so other than passion, mm -hmm. um, what would you say are the other key principles to being a good dubbing director? Well, I... I think, and I, I, I don't know if I'm right, but I do think that the best voice directors are usually uh, also actors um, because I think it's very important to A, understand the craft and not just actors, dubbing actors. Uh, if you've done it a lot in the studio, you understand what it takes to have the timing right, you hit the, it's, it's a little bit like singing. You gotta the hit the the pitch and the uh, the beats at the right moment so it works with the lips and it's an exercise that is very particular and that's really typical to dubbing um, and I feel like the the directors who have done a lot of dubbing themselves are better equipped to explain this to new actors uh, so at least they understand so they can and I also understand if they've been an actor they understand how to explain it to an actor for them yeah. to understand because they know how they like to hear it as well so they can understand so i think it helps a lot that said i know there are some voice directors who have never been actors and they're great so it's not a requisite but i do think that it helps a lot um, especially as actors are very uh, 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 self-conscious and self-doubting uh, i think it's the nature of the of the job because the, the actors have to deal with so much rejection um, that uh, you don't want to you, you, you want the actor to feel comfortable and relaxed and happy. And because if it's not, you're not going to get the best performance. So part of the voice directing job is to get the actor to get to that place where they feel safe and they feel they can, they can explore all their creativity. Because mm -hmm. as the voice director, <laughs> we don't want them to do things like we want them to do. We want them to do the things like they can do it best. And sometimes the, their best is something that you have never thought about. <laughs> like you didn't even know it was possible to say the line this way. And it's absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and so this is the job of the voice director is to get the actor to go to that place where they feel safe enough to explore and, and get the best performance they can give. 
which yeah. often is better than what you'd imagine, which is amazing. I love when that happens. Uh, and, but, but for that to happen, the actor has to be comfortable and happy. So, and, and I think that, that that comes back to that casting, doesn't it? Because in order for them to be happy and comfortable with the character, yes. they need to have been cast correctly. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's not it's just that. I think it's it's also they need to feel that um, that they're free to express themselves the way they want to. And I know it's often, so especially for people who are starting out, if they don't know, or, or even if they're not starting out, but they don't know you as a director, uh, it's always a little awkward at first, and they may be a little a little afraid that you might judge them, that you might not like what they're doing, uh, and so it's our job to make them feel comfortable, so they know they can offer something. Because when you're not uh, when you're an actor and you feel stressed, mm. you can't give your best performance. That's just not possible. No matter how experienced you are and how good you are, if you're stressed, if you're worried about what the other person is going to think the performance is going to be wooden. And if you yes. want a great performance, you need to have the person feeling free to express themselves. Uh, and it's harder than it seems to get to that place where the person feels super comfortable, especially when people are starting out and they're worried about the rhythm band, they're worried about the technical aspects. Uh, you want to get to the point where the technical aspects is actually helping and not, uh, uh, and not some, an obstacle. Yeah, not intimidating them. Yes. Yes, I agree. I, I always say it's, it's, it's like dancing. So you have yes. to kind of learn the dance to get, to, to get the rhythm right. Um, no, I agree. Um, so we, we, I think speaking to, to people who are unfamiliar um, mm -hmm. with the process, um, talk to me a little bit about working with um, established or, or more importantly with star cast. How do you manage that process? Because often there's, um, there's a, uh, an expectation from the client. They've, requ they've requested a particular person to play a role mm -hmm. and they may not feel comfortable um, in a dubbing studio. So not only do you need to manage uh, that, that process of getting them to feel comfortable, you may potentially have an ego in there as well. How do you manage that? Well, personally, I've found that the highest ego is often with the completely unknown actors. <laughs> He's going to laugh. But, uh, turns out every time I've worked with actors who have very significant careers, uh, I've been thinking, oh, I understand why they have a very significant career. Because they're actually the most humble, uh, hardworking, fabulous uh, uh, actors. And, um, uh, and when I've had, I've had that problem of, of an actor having too much ego in the, in the booth, but that has never happened with someone uh, with a big career. Uh, so, so, so let's talk ego in general. How do you manage that? Well, again, I think when the ego happens, I think it comes from a from a place of fear. Uh, and I think it comes from them being afraid of not being enough. And so they need to, to try to show me that they are more because they're worried about not being enough. And then and we go back to that place where we need to make the person feel comfortable, that they can be themselves and that they can just be the character and it's enough. And once you get... 
uh, there, then the ego goes away and there's no problem anymore. But it's it's it can be a challenge with uh, some people. It, it it is, and I think it really is a a testament to being able to um, humble yourself as well and not kind of get drawn into that cycle with with the performer and to bring them to that yeah. place of. Um, but I think it's it's always uh, if that happens also it's probably my fault as well. I think we need to it, the the we interact with people. It's a two people relationship when you interact with someone. If someone is giving you ego, that means that you have explained things in a way that put them on the defensive. Uh, so uh, so you have to rethink the strategy of how you're speaking to that person uh, to in order to break that cycle. Because otherwise, if you escalate it, then you cannot get to anything good. Um, and it usually it usually works when you take it that way. You know, it's really you cannot you can only change other people if you change the way you are. If that makes yes. sense. Yes. So I cannot make someone change. All I can do is change myself. So I change strategy and how I'm talking and how I'm interacting with the person if the whatever strategy I started with is not working. Uh, and eventually you find the right thing. And uh, and it does happen, but I, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever had a situation where it couldn't be resolved. I think okay. you always get to, you, you always get to a point where in the end, everybody laughs and everybody's happy and, and it works. And enjoys it. So, yeah. so an element of adaptability is extremely important. And I think the word that keeps on coming through for you, even though it is such a, um, a creative process, is mm -hmm. to think about, think about the process strategically. You know, this isn't yeah. working. How do I then change in order to make this work for me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's Because uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's creative, but it's also very technical. Uh, yes. And so you need to have both sides... Um, you need to understand both sides, basically, and they work hand in hand. Uh, you cannot be uh, fully creative and do whatever you want if the lip sync is not going to work. So you, you can be creative within the rules of the, the exercise, basically. And so, um, and sometimes the best creativity happens actually within those uh, uh, limits. Uh, it's, it's funny, but when you can do anything that you want, Sometimes it goes in every direction and nothing good comes out of it. And when you have a good, uh, a good structure within uh, which you have to do your craft, then magic happens. Absolutely. And in there, you, you, you mentioned um, lip sync. So mm -hmm. talk to me about the role of the dubbing director as far as lip sync is concerned. You know, how, so, how do you get into adaption? What, do you, what needs to happen in studio? So we, uh, we, as a director, we just have to make sure basically that the, that the lips work. Uh, and there are several ways that the lips can work. Uh, you look at the adapt, uh, adaptation, uh, but also the speed of speaking and where the pauses are in the sentence and um, which words go together and which ones don't. It's like, as I was saying, like it says music. Uh, you uh, you have a certain rhythm of the speech of the original actor, and so you need to match that rhythm. Yes. So in the studio, uh, we have uh, most of the time nowadays we work with rhythm band, and the uh, rhythm band is fabulous. It's like a karaoke for those who don't know what it is. And so basically, you have the words, and then they light up, or you have a bar that shows you when when to say which syllable in the word. So that uh, takes care of the rhythm part for you if you can follow it, um, and that's uh, that's really great because um, then you know 
automatically where the pauses are. And so you can have the, uh, the vowels and the, um, uh, the words land exactly at the right moments. Uh, however, even with the rhythm band and even with a great adaptation, sometimes we do still have to change the adaptation once we are in the booth uh, because everybody has a different internal rhythm of speaking. Mm. And the internal rhythm of speaking of the adapter is not necessarily the same as the one of the actor. Yes. Uh, and because of that, sometimes we have to add a word, remove a little word, uh, do little changes to make it absolutely perfect. And I think that's the, the role of the director is to decide what you can change uh, that so you get the best lip sync possible whilst maintaining the integrity of the, of the show. Because sometimes you have to decide that, well, the lip sync is not going to be exactly perfect, but I cannot change that word. That word is too important. We have to have it in. Um, mm -hmm. And so you're just going to say the word faster if, if there's a one flap that's missing. And uh, so, but those decisions uh, are really made in the studio because you can only know really if the adaptation is working once you're actually recording it with the actor. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes it fun. You know, there is still that element of surprise and change within that creative process. Yes. Um, it then also gives the actor, you know, a kind of more ownership over it as well. Well, it's, it's the, the actors who are also voice directors and, adap and adapters, sometimes they come up with ideas, but yes. there's a lot of actors who just don't know that. And so they leave it up, really leave it up to the director to, um, uh, to fix it. Which brings me to one, uh, another thing as well. Uh, to be a good director, it's good to know how to adapt. Uh, because, uh, in fact, we do do uh, tweak the adaptation quite often. And uh, if you've never done adaptation before, you might just blank. Because I think that's what happens with the, those actors who don't do adaptation. They just don't have a clue how to change the line so it would work. Like how, to, how do you remove a flap? Uh, and also, adaptation is complicated because it's not just about the number of syllables. It's also about the vowels. Um, uh, the consonants, because uh, the consonant needs to hit at the right moment, and then the vowels. If you have an op if you finish a sentence with an open vowel and it's a closed vowel on the uh, or a consonant in the original, it's not going to work. It's, no, not at all. So, um, so it's important to understand all of that. So, I think I guess to be a good director, you have to have done a little bit of every job in the thing. Because it helps also to have to know a little bit of about sound engineering because it yeah. also helps to know what can or cannot be fixed in post. Because there are things that we can do. You can cut off a word and separate a little bit. We can stretch a little bit or compress a little bit. There are things we can do to make it absolutely perfect at the end. Uh, but you don't wanna, you wanna try to have the, the, the lip sync as perfect as possible without using the use of post. It's um, not everything is fixable in post. Exactly. <laughs> so we're running out of time. This has been such a okay. lovely conversation and I think I could keep on asking you questions for hours because <laughs> I find it such an interesting discipline within what we do and it, you, you play such an important role. Um, but maybe what we can do to just end off is, mm -hmm. um, you know, for those new dubbing directors or, or um, younger um, dubbing actors and people who are entering the industry who are looking at a potential career as a dubbing director, mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to them? If you want to be a dubbing director my, and you're an actor, 
uh, dub as many assets as you can, get as much experience as you can, because the, you, it will help you immensely later. Because when you're in the booth and then you you come across all sorts of issues with the uh, with the the lip sync and all that, then you learn how to fix them in the booth. And so once you know, if you're the voice director, then you'll be the one able to say, "Oh, we can fix it that way." So it it helps. The more experience you can get, it helps. But if you cannot, if it's difficult for you to get in, I would say one of the things that you can do as an actor is go to improv classes because I also think that um, uh, thinking on your feet. And be, be able to come up with solutions is something that is very, very useful as an actor and as a voice director. And uh, when you do improv, you're in a situation of stress where you have to think about solutions. And I think uh, it's uh, it's probably good for pretty much every job you can do. Uh, being in a situation of stress uh, when you have to train your brain to think clearly and make uh, thoughtful uh, decisions while in a situation of stress is definitely something you will learn in an improv class. And that will serve you really well because uh, uh, stress happens all the time in life in any job that you do. And, um, and it will get you out of situation if you can just think slowly and then think about the solution. That's really, really good advice. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that it's not something I would have thought of, but it, it makes perfect sense. So thank you for that. I, I'll certainly yeah. um, Improv share is that. terrifying. Terrifying for everyone. Cool. <laughs> so, so this Which is, is I'm not an actor or a dubbing director. <laughs> but it definitely trains your brain to deal with the stressful yes. situation. That's for sure. It's great. Very, very good advice. To recap, um, I think what I've taken out from your conversation, um, if you are wanting to be a great dubbing director, is number one, be extremely thorough right at the beginning of the process. Mm -hmm. Make yes. sure you watch your 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 program or your series or your movie mm -hmm. multiple times and make yes. sure because that's going to help you as you go through your casting oh, to make the right yes. choices. Yes. Um, you know, you need to use your 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 time and studio wisely because you need to have a business sense about it. It's not just about being creative. Mm -hmm. um, and that you need to make your actor comfortable and so that they yes. sit in a place of trust so that you can get the best performance out of them so that they can feel free to, to surprise you with something that you might not have expected in the first place. Exactly. Wow. And I, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what, what I've taken away from it is that certainly there's a huge level, there's a huge amount of adaptability that's required, Absolutely. Um, but you've got to keep it within your process. Yes. Um, and, and I quite like that. Put that boundary around it and it, and it enables you to create magic really at the end of yeah. the day. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. It's been a well, fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And I hope that you have been able to give some great advice to uh, people who want to get, want to come into the industry and, and become a dubbing director. I hope so too. I hope it helps. Thank you so much. Claire Dodin from Waffler Inc. Um, thank you. And thank I look you. forward to chatting to you again in the future. Join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling.